You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello there, and welcome to Locked On Suns, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Kellen Olson, your host of Locked On Suns. Another episode of Suns Basketball here to discuss and talk about. On today's show, what we're going to mainly be focusing on is looking at an off-season review from the perspective of the Suns, which is near the bottom of the NBA standings, which is where they should be next season, kind of looking at where the Suns rank in terms of the worst teams in the league. Will they have a top five, ne- top five pick next year? Will they not have a top five pick? We're going to kind of run through the teams near the bottom who I think personally will be at the bottom and give my reasoning as to why I believe there's a very good chance the Suns actually don't wind up with a top five pick in this year's draft in terms of uh, the overall standings and how they finish. Uh, just because, man, there's some really bad teams in the NBA. This That's going to be the theme of uh, this episode is that there are, in terms of the worst teams in the league, I think this is the worst the bottom has been for really quite some time now. It's been It's been a while, so... That's really what we're going to focus on with today's show. There is nothing new to note on the Kyrie Irving front. Uh, first of all, usual announcements and such. Make sure you are following us on Twitter. That is at LockedOnPHXSuns. Once again, best way to keep up with the episodes uh, when they come out. Updates on other things with the podcast and such. We During the season, we haven't really done this during the offseason that much, and I'll be sure to do this during the offseason at least once or twice, maybe even more, honestly. like to have a lot of interaction with you guys, and that mainly happens on Twitter taking questions, uh, voting on polls. Remember, we had our own top five big board at two different points in the season last year. I believe we had one in March, and then we had one the month of the draft in June. So with that, uh, what we're looking at there is just a, a way for you guys to really interact with the show and get your questions in, and uh, we can talk about what you guys want to talk about, basically. We'll have at least an episode or two of that of the off season for sure. And then in the season, of course, we had tons of these episodes. If you guys are going through the logs of the podcast, catching up or what have you, you'll see that we do that. And the best way to do that, and the reason I keep telling you guys to follow uh, the podcast is doing that. Don't really care how many followers we have or anything like that, but it's just more about getting you guys more involved with the show and making sure you guys know when it's out and everything. And then, of course, the other best way to keep an eye out on the podcast and know when it is coming is subscribing on iTunes. That is in the link of the bio uh, on Locked On PHX Suns, the uh, Twitter. Just click that link and it should take you right to Apple Podcasts on your iPhone, iPad, whatever you're on, and give you a link to subscribe. We are working on ways to get it on other podcast streaming services. I know that's something that we didn't have in the first season, but we will have for year two just something that is in the process and it is not something relatively simple. So it's going to be taking a while. That's why I haven't really brought it up yet is because I like to have a firm grip on where the process is going and like to have things in progress and right now it's just taking a while so with that uh there is really nothing new to report on the Kyrie Irving front I know that's the main topic among Suns fans right now is what is going on with Kyrie Irving at least rumors and reports latest report to drop was that the Suns had offered uh or were offering or something of that sort Eric Bledsoe Dragon Bender and the Miami pick in 2018 and that that was shot down I believe that was the report not sure about the legitimacy of it, to be honest, just because I, I can't really see the Suns giving up Bender or Chris or really any of the four young players. But, man, I just, I just don't see them doing an, doing an offer like that. And really, that's really where I see the cap in the offer being. And the offer doesn't make that much sense in the first place for Cleveland because why would they want Dragon Bender or Marquise Chris? I think three-team, four-team deals, when you see Cleveland getting enough from other sides, including Bledsoe and stuff, 
where the Suns can afford to send a uh, a Bender or a Chris or some other young players that the Cavaliers don't want to that third team, that fourth team. Maybe the New York Knicks and Carmelo Anthony get involved somehow. There's plenty of ways for that really to turn around, and I think that is where you can you can really be on the lookout is seeing the, for the third team, seeing for the fourth team, because I think that's. I think this Kyrie Irving deal, most likely, if it happens, is going to be a three-team deal. Um, and I'm not even saying just happening with the Suns, happening in general, uh, with him going to New York, with him going to Miami, wherever it is. I think it's a three-team deal, four-team deal that gets us done. And who, who knows where we're going to be at. If I had to make a prediction before the start of the season, I would say that I believe Kyrie is going, if he gets traded, because, again, these trade demand things are really weird. We had the Markeith Moore situation where he just demanded a trade, like, straight up, and then just nothing happened. And he was there on media day saying he didn't want to talk about the past or anything like that. So maybe that's going to be Kyrie's deal this season. Who knows? But if I had a prediction, I would say that if he does get traded, the Suns are going to be involved in some way because there's just no one else that makes sense for them at point guard besides Eric Bledsoe. Unless they think that Derrick Rose is the answer at point guard, which they honestly might, which is terrifying for not only Suns fans, not only Caps fans, but everyone, because we all want to see LeBron get another crack or two uh, with this Cleveland team, and then who knows where he's moving on to next. But I would like to see him back in the finals again. I'm not sure if he can if he can manage that with Derrick Rose at point guard uh, with the way that he played. Uh, with the Knicks. So moving on now to our main topic here for the episode, we are going to be discussing how the bottom of the West and the Eastern Conference looks, what teams could potentially finish with worse records than the Suns, what teams are going to be sort of in the mix for the lottery balls, of course, like the Lakers, uh, the Nets, who the Celtics had the first-round pick for, of course, uh, the swap rights, I should say, and then there were uh, other teams in, in the mix down there at the bottom. The Sacramento Kings were one, the Philadelphia 76ers were another, so which of those teams are going to stay? Which of those teams are going to go? We're going to get to that more uh, in a minute. But first, a word from our sponsors here at SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there's a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person. And SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually have just used the SeatGeek uh, app in the past to buy tickets to Dimebacks games. I'm going with uh, my dad to see the Houston Astros, who are going to be in town. As I've mentioned on previous podcasts, the Cubs are going to be in town, as well as I believe the Dodgers are during that stretch, too. It's going to be a big stretch for the D-backs in their season, and uh, my dad and I personally are really excited to see uh, Correa, Altuve, and some of the stars on the Astros. They're a really fun team to watch, and we're looking forward to seeing them in town, and we used SeatGeek to get that done. Uh, best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. This was uh, the code that actually I believe um, it wasn't me that used. Uh, I, I've used the app before, of course, but my father was the one who actually bought the tickets, and he actually used uh this code. So just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LONBA today. That's promo code LONBA for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So you know if Mr. Olson has used it, it's good. And it's uh, Mr. Olson approved. That's all that counts here, really, right? That's the only endorsement you guys need is my dad's, right? That he has used it and it's good to go. So yeah, uh, use that to uh, get your $20 off code on your first purchase and 
use SeatGeek just like uh, I have and the Olsen family has as well. Okay, let's move on to the main topic of the show, and that is the bottom of the West. So what I'm looking at right now, uh, Kevin Pelton came out with an article this week, ESPN.com, using real plus minus. And what he did was basically taking ESPN's real plus minus and using a projection model to figure out win totals and projected win totals. So with that, gave some skewed results a bit, like the LA Clippers being at a projected wins of 48.9 is a bit surprising, to say the least. Um, I'd, I'd be shocked if the Clippers were a playoff team, actually, but overall the model, uh, I, thought it, I thought it turned out well and gave a pretty good win total projection here, but the teams we're really looking at here, and the first thing to note is, for the Western Conference, you've got the Warriors, Rockets, Spurs, Timberwolves, Thunder, Clippers, Nuggets, and the Jazz as the top eight teams. Then you've got the Pelicans, and the Trailblazers, but the craziest thing here is that the Portland Trailblazers are projected to win 43.8 games according to his model and finish 10th. If you go to his Eastern Conference standings, the Orlando Magic are projected to finish 10th with a win total of 32.2. So there is a humongous difference there of over 10 wins uh, between 10th in the West and 10th in the East, and that is something to keep an eye on for sure. As far as teams that I am looking at, to be in the bottom with the Phoenix Suns. I honestly believe that teams like the Dallas Mavericks, the Memphis Grizzlies, surprisingly, are 34.6 for win total, uh, projected win total here. They were one of the teams that didn't really make sense uh, with the model. Uh, Pelton called it RPM's pessimism, and I sort of agree. I think something like Conley and Gasol both missing significant time, like 20, 30, 40 games at least, would have to happen in order for that uh, to occur and them to win just like 35 games or even struggle to get to 35 wins. Um, but the teams here, the bottom three teams to keep an eye on here in the West, I believe Dallas is a team that is going to play well. I think Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be very good for them in his rookie season. We all know how much I like him. And then I think Wes Matthews, Harrison Barnes, Nerlens Noel. They've got a couple of bench players in there as well. They've got Seth Curry. They've got Dwight Powell. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a solid team. I think Rick Carlisle is going to have them winning at least like 32, 33 games. I think they're going to be that team that other um, – Opponents are going to look at and really struggle with at times because of Carlisle's coaching and because of dealing with Smith and Noel just wreaking havoc all across the floor. I'm really looking forward to seeing them play. But the three teams in the West keep an eye on are the Los Angeles Lakers, of course, the Phoenix Suns, and the Kings. Now the Lakers are a team to me where if their youth really comes together and Luke Walton can take what he had at the beginning of last year, which was the Lakers were looking like they could possibly be a surprising playoff team. But, of course, they really fell off there. But their projected five, uh, starting five, Bobby Marks of ESPN.com laid out the depth charts for next season. Lonzo Ball, at point guard, obviously. KCP and Brooke Lopez at shooting guard and center, respectively. Those are two players where I look at players that the guys that Lonzo is really going to be able to affect the game with are specialists, guys that aren't necessarily balanced all-around players. And there really isn't anyone on this roster that, <laughs> that is a balanced all-around sort of player. I think maybe that's what Kyle Kuzma is looking to be off the bench, but of course he's a rookie, so you can't expect that kind of play from him right away. But those are the players where Alonzo Ball is really going to make them shine. Like you look at someone like a TJ Warren, for example. We've talked about how good TJ Warren would look with LeBron James, and that's because TJ has a specific set of things he's good at, and passers like LeBron, like Lonzo, bring out the best in them because they are they know what they can do and try and put them in their spots, and not even try, they do. They do put them in their spots. So I think you look at guys like even like Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle, you look at the bench, Jordan Clarkson, Luol Deng, those are all players that I think Lonzo ultimately is going to have a positive effect on and really just have those sort of 
moments and seasons where you see someone like Steve Nash in Phoenix. I'm not comparing Steve and Lonzo directly here, but I'm just saying Nash always had a positive effect on players, and players tended tended to have uh, their tended. Is that a word? Who knows here? We're at the end of the week here. We're struggling. Okay, so players that played with Nash tend to have their best seasons under him, and that is because of the way that he would play and the way he would set up guys, and I think that's the sort of thing that Lonzo can have as well. So I would not be surprised if the Lakers had a better record than the Suns. I know for pure competitive Suns fans, that's really going to make you angry, but I believe if Julius Randle continues to improve, he's been quietly under the radar playing much better the past year or so. Brandon Ingram had a good second half of the season, seemed to get a little bit more comfortable, and if Lonzo can have a good rookie year, I think that's a team that wins above 30 games. So I don't think they are going to be, they have to be in this sort of group I'm talking about. The, t- the teams are going to win like 25 to 30 games. I think they have to be in that group just because of how young they are, that all their young guys could struggle mightily throughout certain points of the season, and then that's where they could fall off. But that's the way I'm looking at that group right there with the Lakers. The Suns, I think, are obviously in this group. If you just look at the wing, this is all I really need to say is that Look at their wing group. They have Davon Reed and Devin Booker at shooting guard. They have Josh Jackson and TJ Warren at small forward. And then Derek Jones Jr. is probably going to get in the mix there. The most experienced guy there is TJ Warren. Maybe even you could say Devin Booker is. And then if the Suns really decide to go super young at power forward and they decide to not play Jared Dudley, they go with Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender. Those are three of the five positions on the floor where they're playing guys with little to no real, true starting NBA experience. Like the only two guys in that lineup who would have real legitimate NBA experience playing big-time minutes would probably be Booker because of the end of his first year and then his full second year. And that would really be it because TJ has been so in and out of the lineup and in and out with health and all that that I don't think you can count him. So that's going to be brutal, and I think that's going to be the place where, for all the talent the Suns have and how fun they're going to be, what fun they are going to be to watch for a bad team, I still think those three positions is where they're really going to get exposed and really prevent them from being the team they looked like last year, which was like they could have honestly won like 32, 33 games if everything worked out well and they stayed healthy and tried to win out. But that's not exactly what happened, so I expect them to be towards the bottom. Uh, Sacramento, I believe, is in that Laker group. I do not think they will be down here. I just think that the Kings overall just have too much I think they have too much there on the roster as a whole. It's just it's a, it's a filled up roster. You got George Hill, Buddy uh, George Hill, Buddy Heald, Vince Carter, Zebo, Costa Kufis is the starting five, and then off the bench you've got guys like Garrett Temple and Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think both of them, even Bogdan as a rookie, are going to give them quality minutes. And then they've got so much youth that at least one or two of these guys is going to be good. You would think, uh, at least next season is what I mean by that. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, Frank Mason, Malachi Richardson, Justin Jackson, Scott Labissier, Georgios Papianis. Harry Giles, Willie Cauley-Stein, they're going to get something good out of that bench from those young guys. It's such a young bench, but I think really George Hill, Vince Carter, Zebo, Kufos, that core four is just enough solid play, where as long as Zebo and Vince Carter don't completely fall off the rails and they're able to play the 20 to 25 minutes and play them well, kind of like Jared Dudley and Tyson Chandler have for the Suns and Leandro Barbosa to an extent as well, I think if they can give them those kind of positive minutes, that's enough uh, with the play of George Hill and with the play of De'Aaron Fox and some of those rookies where they can win 30, 32 games. I think that's completely realistic, and I don't expect them to be in the bottom five of the league. But where we get to the bottom five of the league is interesting. I'm not even going to talk about Orlando because Orlando's roster is so freaking weird that I just have no idea how to dissect it. You've got Alfred Payton, DJ Augustine, Shelvin Mack, Aaron Aflala, Mario Hazonia, and Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross at guard. 
You can include Jonathan Simmons in that group, arguably. And then at the big spots, you've got Aaron Gordon, Nikola Vucevic, Bismack Biombo, Jonathan Isaac, and Mo Spates. I, I don't, do not know what that team is. I, can t- I cannot tell if that is a 20-win team or a 40-win team. I do not know where they will go in that group. I, they are the one team for me right now where if you're looking towards the bottom, I cannot get a read on how good or bad they are. They're probably just going to be in the middle and win like 30 games. But I think we can include them in this group where they are a possibility to pick in the top five just because their floor is so low. But at the same time for me, I just don't really see where where they fit in in terms of being worse than some of these teams we're going to go over. Indiana, this is where we really get to teams that are really in, are just in a terrible spot right now. Indiana starting five. Darren Carlson, Victor Oladipo, Boyan Bogdanovich, the other Bogdanovich, Thaddeus Young, and Miles Turner. That is a rough, rough five. And then off the bench, Corey Joseph, DeMontis Sabonis, Lance Stevenson, Al Jefferson. It's That is a very bad team, and that is going to remain a very bad team. I think that team is picking in the top five. I also think that the Knicks are going to be there. It depends, of course, if Carmelo stays put, but assuming he gets moved and assuming they don't get a piece of his caliber back, they're starting Frank Nielakina or Ramon Sessions at point guard. Either way, that's not going to go well uh, for Nielakina in his rookie year, obviously. Tim Hardaway Jr. at two guard. Whew, that contract is something. Uh, you got Courtney Lee off the bench there, who's a solid player. But then Carmelo, Chris Stapps, Willie Hernan Gomez, and Joakim Noah really round out the players. And I guess Kylo Quinn and Lance Thomas are guys that can play as well. But that is another team where maybe they'll be in that Kings-Lakers um, magic Mavs group that we talked about where they're winning 30 to 35 games but man they, they are certainly a threat to finish with the number one overall pick and then these last three teams and Brooklyn is one team where I will put them in the same group as Orlando for me personally because D'Angelo Russell Allen Crabb both young players that really haven't had their true chance to shine yet with humongous minutes I think D'Lo in his second year was looking for that and then he really just got put in a terrible situation and was in a terrible situation his rookie year anyway. So I think you look at this chance to run it, to run a team and then Alan Crabb, no more guards to really compete with playing time for. I mean, he is in a way with Spencer Dinwiddie as a whitehead, Jeremy Lane, Karis LeVert, Sean Kilpatrick. So he's going to be fighting for minutes, but he's going to be starting, I believe. And that is where you can look for him to possibly have career numbers, uh, career best numbers. Damari Carroll, maybe this is what he needs to kind of get healthy here, and who knows? Uh, him and Timofey Mozgov are both two guys where if they get more good than bad out of those guys, this is a all of a sudden not horrible team. Trevor Booker is just a good player. Not sure if you want him starting. <laughs> you want him as your starting power forward, but Trevor Booker is just a good player. So Brooklyn, if you're looking at career years out of D'Angelo, Russell, Allen, Crabb, both looking like they're legitimate Guys with upside, I mean, Alan Crabb, it's easy to forget that Alan Crabb is already 25 years old because he's he's been in the league three years already. Uh, but Russell is a guy for me where I'm looking for him to have a huge year, and I think they're in the same group with me. They're a worse version of the Mavericks to me, where I think, especially playing in the Eastern Conference, if they can just get something out of Jamari Carroll and Timothy Moskov, I think they can be in that th- maybe at 30 wins, but I think certainly there's a chance and a, a really good chance that they are not going to be that good. And they probably have the worst big man core in the league, like uh, Kevin Pelton notes in this uh, column, because Trevor Booker, Timothy Mozgov, Quincy Acey, and Jared Allen. 
That's what they've got down low. That is brutal. That is really tough for Brooklyn. And the last two teams quickly here, the Chicago Bulls are just, man, uh, you would assume Dwayne Wade is not going to finish the year on that roster. They've got him and Chris Dunn in the starting backcourt. Cameron Payne and Jerry and Grant are going to be involved in there. Denzel Valentine, Justin Holliday, and then Zach Levine as well as in there. Paul Zipser could be their starting three. Nikola Mirotic is still restricted. They've got Lowry Markin and Bobby Portis behind him, and then Robin Lopez and Cristiano Felicio at center. Man, those are just a bunch of players who you would say, yeah, they would be really good as like the fifth, sixth, seventh best player on a team. Like in looking at like ceiling outcomes for like Markinen and Portis, Zipser, Miritic, Dunn, Levine, like Payne, Grant. You're looking at close players, Denzel Valentine. We're like, yeah, he'd be good. he'd be a good like number one, number two option off the bench. And they're just so many of those guys here. Where in reality, they're like ninth to twelfth men on rosters right now. They've got way too many of them. Wade and Levine are going to have to put up huge numbers for this team to even be close to out of the race for the number one overall pick. And I think them and Atlanta are going to be the two worst teams in the league. And Atlanta is the one team where if you went up to just your average NBA fan, someone who watches the NBA, stays aware of what's going on, I think you would just really catch them off guard with how bad the Hawks are now. They have Dennis Schroeder at point guard, but then their second best player, who knows? Is it Kent Bazemore? Is it Torian Prince? Is it Dwayne Dedman? Those three guys are starting. And then you've got Ursan Ilyasova and John Collins at power forward. Delaney, Bembry, and Bellinelli uh, at wing and guard. That's a really, really bad team. And I think they are the favorites right now to have the worst record in basketball. And that is why I say, because if you look at this team, and what, what I'm looking at here basically for the number one pick is I'm looking at teams that if you had to guess whether or not they would get 30 wins, most people would say no. And I think that group, it's the Los Angeles Lakers, but I think they're at the top of it with like the Nets. The Lakers, Nets, the Suns, I'm not putting the Kings in there. Uh, Some might put the Kings in there, but I'm not putting the Kings in there. I think they might be actually kind of decent. The Pacers, the Knicks, the Nets, we, we already mentioned, the Bulls, and the Hawks. So there is a good chance, I believe, that the Suns have like the first, second, third best record out of that group. I think the inexperience on the wing and at forward is really going to hurt them. But I think overall, looking at it, I think there's a very good chance the Suns don't have a top five pick next year, and I think everyone's going to kind of expect that going into the season, as they should with how bad the team is. Most years, this is the worst or the second worst team in the league, but with the way the power has shifted and the way teams like Atlanta and Indiana have just had barren rosters out of really nowhere in Chicago as well, Man, it is going to be a long season for a lot of teams, and the Suns are one of them. But we'll be here with you the entire way here on Locked On Suns. Once again, follow us on Twitter. That's at Locked On PHX Suns. I am at Kellen Olson on Twitter. If you've listened all the way to this point, go check out ArizonaSports.com. I wrote a lengthy column on why I believe the Suns should want Kyrie Irving, but they don't necessarily need to jeopardize their future in any way to trade for him. And yeah, check us out on uh, the next episode coming next week here on Lockdown Suns. And more to come, as always, through this offseason for the 2017 offseason. Talk to you guys next time. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.